0: You're listening to episode 28 of the Sick Mom's Guide.
1: Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too.
0: Hi, I'm your host, Jen Hardy. I've got seven kids, ages 6 to 28, and a host of eclectic diseases. I know that if we can ditch the guilt and open up a dialogue about what it's really like to be a mom who's sick, together we can build a strong community. And that's why we're here today. I've got Joy Acaso, she is a parenting superhero. And she's got some fantastic ideas for us on how to be better parents and how to build better relationships with our kids. Because let's face it, all of us could use a little bit of help. Our kids did not come with a manual. Also during today's episode, there is some kind of strange computer clicking going on and I apologize for that in advance. But I think it will be worth listening to that to hear the amazing things that Joy has to say. Here she is. Hi, Joy. I am so happy to have you here today.
1: Hi Jen. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I am so excited to talk to you about parenting today yes. because I love the gentle, soft-spoken way you convey your ideas, but they're strong, good ideas. So, thank you so much for being really Oh, to
1: thank hear you.
0: Thank you. And I remember, you know, I had seen something that you had published online about being involved with our kids yes. and um, oh, big thing. you know I mean there's there's helicopter parenting right which is like zooming around but then when when kids get a little bit older a lot of times parents tend to kind of tune out and send them on their own what are some good ways to keep them engaged with us as we feel
1: them kind of pushing away yes so um, we have to understand also that as it is part of growing up, right, that they have now different interests and they're building on their own identity and they're choosing probably things that are very different from what we prefer, <laughs> doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is um, bad. You know, different doesn't mean bad. And as our kids grow, they'll be different. They'll have different opinions from us. And we as parents can bridge the gap. And it is about um, us bridging the gap. We cannot expect our kids to come and all of a sudden say, okay, mom and dad, you know, like I realize that this is happening in our, no, I, if that is you. I would like to meet you because in my 20 years of experience helping families, I have never seen that happen. (laughs) So we have to bridge the gap. And how do we bridge the gap when our kids are having other preferences that may be new to us? We need to be resourceful. We need to be um, engaging in our conversations, and that's how we become Um, More involved in their lives. And being resourceful means, like, you know, just simple things like maybe Googling what it is that they listen to. Who's the boy band that my daughter is now, you know, into and idolizing? Or what is it about Harry Potter personal experience (laughs) that our 10 year old, you know, loves about it? So, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but she is. And I have, now you can quiz me about Harry. I have not read any of the books, but I have Googled. And so, you know, in in our parenting, um, we have to be resourceful because being involved um, in our kids' lives not only benefits them, but it also benefits us. That's
0: Okay. That's great. And so, so you said you Google. so like, what kind of things do you Google? So somebody that's listening, thinking, well, you know, my kid's into all these things, I have no interest in whatsoever. Right. Right. So what would be your advice to that person?
1: Absolutely. Um, it doesn't. And I think in our conversation, Jen, you said it, um, you know, perfectly. You said that um, our preferences or whether we enjoy what they like or not is secondary to our relationship with our kids. If that is going to build our relationship with them, then I say, go ahead and give them the space to explain why they love you know, this particular song or they love this particular book and, and approach it with curiosity ask them questions, and then go ahead and search it on the internet and say, you know, who is, I have a lot of examples because all these families that I work with, they're like, my kids listen to this and I'm like, who is that? I don't know who that is. (laughs) And then I, you know, I am a Google (laughs) search master now, like for example, um, Fallout Boy, well, that's more popular than, than most. But I did not know who they were. And so I would search it and I would even read the lyrics to their songs. Um, now, you know, those lyrics might be alarming to you as a parent. But I would say, like, don't impose your opinions right away. You know, let them speak and say, you know, ask questions. Like, why do you like this song? You know, what is it about this song that that you like? What other songs do you listen to? Um, Let's not be so dismissive in the way that we speak to our children.
0: And I think for a lot of people, that's really difficult advice. Yeah. Right? Because you (laughs) want to say, okay, I don't like that song, so it's all gone. And as a parent, I'm totally guilty of this. I'm very strict with what my kids watch and what they listen to. And, but honestly, it is easier because we homeschool, right? So it's easier, but for if they were in school and they're surrounded by that, it's really hard. I know e- even with the homeschooling, the the peer thing, if you don't let them do a certain amount of things, they have no connection with their peers. Right. You have to right. allow them to have a connection. So, and you know, my husband and I were actually talking about this yesterday, like, you know, we look at, at at kids these days, you know, but just the way that our parents looked at us and our grandparents looked at our parents' generation, you know, that it all seems to be like, oh, it's all falling apart and it's all so different and weird. But it's not, it's, it, it is different, but it's not to our right. we kids, right? And so right. things are different and that makes them scary a lot of times. But what you're saying is, don't be so scared you're not. Engaged. Yes.
1: Don't be so scared of the new thing or the different thing. Because when, again, you know, when, oh, this is something different, this is new, it will feel awkward at first, but don't be scared. You know, walk alongside. We need to walk alongside our children. And we need to be in the forefront of, you know, our voice needs to be heard um, when it comes to our children because we are their greatest influence. So let's not take the back seat where you know it pushes us away when we say like, "Well, you can't listen to that." Okay, but have you heard the song? Have you research done your research to make sure that you know is there something we can do? Is there something we can tweak about about this? So use that as a conversation starter. The kind song like my, can
0: we tweak it, yeah, yeah, and make it like, work for our family and for you,
1: right, exactly. And as a parenting coach, like I always say there is no cookie cutter method. We have a framework that we work with, we have all these theories, right? all these different parenting theories. great. so we put it there, but then now, how can we apply it so that it works for your family? like what is it in, the approach is different you know, the way that we handle things on a daily basis will be different. It's the same theory for everybody, but the way that we apply it is going to be, um, you know, different. So like, for example, if your children start listening to songs that are um, kind of dark in their lyrics and the, like, it's almost dip- depressive and almost depressing, um, you know, and they talk about life and things like that. Can you use that then as a conversation starter? Let them lead the discussion and say, well, what does that mean? um, You know, this sentence. And can you tell me what that means in your viewpoint, right? That's you as a parent asking your children. Because then now they are the experts. On oh, I like what, that. What they're, yeah, they're the expert on what they're listening to, what they're watching. You know, so then pick up on that and have conversations about that. And then that will be that will build your relationship with your children and then things will be wonderful. I like yeah. that. Yeah, because
0: instead of just saying no, you're asking, you're asking, yeah, like they're the authority in that. I love that. I yes. do. Yes. And so in And you're, that's a really, and sometimes I think kids don't even understand because I look back at some of the songs I listened to say in middle school that I would sing along with. I had no idea what I was saying. I was just saying words, you know, and had I known, I never would have said them out loud, you know, (laughs) Um, like Greece, for example, the movie Greece, there's some nasty stuff in those songs. Um, I had no idea. And You know, and my parents, you know, they didn't, they let me listen and they listened while I said. and I was now, you know, I like blush thinking about some of the songs I used to listen to, but, but I think that's good though. If instead of just a judgment, we're having a conversation and that maybe they think it's one thing or to them, it doesn't mean something so horrible or to them, it just reminds them of a friend or, you know, right we might not even realize. So oh, I love this. See, that's why you're here. You've got. No, no, such no, no, yay. <laughs> so as kids are going into, so I'm thinking of, you know, this kind of music is usually more, you know, preteen teeny kind of years. And mm-hmm. that's a time when a lot of relationships break down inside of a family. Oh yes. So can you say like, what are some of the top reasons that teens get upset with their parents or stop talking to their parents?
1: Oh, that's a good one. So going back to the framework, right? We um, we know in theory that the ages zero to nine are critical years because that's when kids are the most moldable and like, you know, they still listen. And, and But what we don't realize is that their self-esteem is also at the height of like in those zero to nine, that's when self-esteem is still stable and healthy at the age of nine years old, we see a drop in self-esteem. And this is like not even anything to do with, um, this is the natural, the chronological state where, you know, we just see statistically a drop in self-esteem. So then now we have to adjust our parenting style. Now we have to adjust how we talk to them and how we relate with them. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Okay. The natural, um, chronological development is that at the age of nine, there is a drop in the self-esteem. So then they're trying to figure out their world and we take it personal. Once we start to take it personal, then we then there becomes the distance. The distance keeps growing because we're saying like, why are you talking to me this way? You know, And then we start to think it's about us and they're attacking us, um, which is not necessarily true because they're also entering that phase of like the pressure with the peers and fitting in and then making sure I please mom and dad, which by the way, making sure I please mom and dad is always, Always in the back of their minds, it never disappears. Ever at any age, right? Well, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, I am almost forty, and I'm still thinking about that. So it's not um they It's it's all of that, and trying to fit that in their, you know, preteen brain, their mind, and then here we go, and we say, well you know you're disrespectful and you're you're belligerent right instead of saying like what's going on what is really going on with my child that i can help him or her with
0: so i like that so we're taking responsibility for keeping that relationship going instead of Absolutely. getting mad that we think they're breaking it yes
1: Yes, right, and
0: and I didn't realize that nine, I, you know that that would explain a lot of things, I guess.
1: Yeah, um,
0: but because it seems so young for me, right? I mean, we just picture younger kids as being so happy, go lucky, and everything, and
1: right, exactly, not and realizing
0: that that's starting so early.
1: Right, right, and there's a lot of factors that affect the drop in confidence and self-esteem, but we just know that to be a marker. So then. So then we can't parent the same way that we parented them when they were toddlers, you know? So that's like, that's why that's a, that's a marker. And then again, the, the peer factor come in, you know, and then hormones, there's also the hormones. And so those, all of those things affect our relationship in the preteen teen years too.
0: Okay. So, so, you know, I've no kids whose parents, th- they have a really bad relationship with their parents and their parents will say things like, you know, I bought them everything they wanted and I drove them to all these yeah. places and what more could they possibly want? Right. So can you answer that question, Joy? What more could okay. they possibly want? Like how could they be upset if they got all the toys and like, even as teens, like teen toy, you know, like all this stuff. Um, how could they still want more? What is right mis- Like, what to me, that seems obvious, but to a lot of people, it doesn't like, you know,
1: right. My- um, what yeah. could they possibly want? I would say if you are in that space right now, um, take an inventory of your relationship with your children, as far as connection, how, That's great. And that's wonderful because we want to provide for our kids and we want them to have the best things in the world. Nothing wrong with that. But then I want you to take it a step further and say, how am I connecting with my kids? How much time do I spend listening to them? How much time do I spend just sitting with them and doing the things that they want or letting them speak you know, their minds and and giving their opinions on certain things, right? So you have to take an inventory of how you are connecting um, with your children. And yes, they want material things. But at the same time, they also, believe it or not, expect warmth, approval, and acceptance from their parents. And that's really at the heart of every children and what they they truly want. So they know that they're not that we are not gonna agree to everything that they say or want and ask for, but they do come expecting that warmth from my mom or that approval and that acceptance. So take an inventory of that as well and see how you are demonstrating, how you're showing acceptance and approval to to your children. So you're
0: talking about more like with words and with time,
1: yes, and not Quality showing them time.
0: with money or
1: right, right, and material possessions. Absolutely, yeah. yeah Which again are great, but <laughs> yeah. again, you know, but that's not the only thing that builds a relationship.
0: Okay, we'll see that. That's a really good answer. So I like that.
1: I like that. And and so as we're talking to
0: them and being positive with them. Um, As we've talked about in a few of our our other episodes here, like episode 21, I had Brody Welch on talking a lot about the way we talk to ourselves and the way we think. And then I went to your website and on the front page, it says the motivated mom knows the power in her words, her thoughts and her habits. And I think that's such a good place to start when you're talking about parenting. It's not about my child needs to do this, right? It's, it starts all with how we think. Yes, And and, um, so I've I've, got to read this thing from your website, if that's okay, because, because I think it just sets up what I had have dealt with throughout my parenting journey. And a lot of moms I know, and then we can kind of talk about some ways to make this better. Absolutely. Um, So on her, on Joy's website, she says, you want to have a happy home after a long day's work. You want to feel content, ready to inspire and eager to love your, on your family. You want to be able to understand what your kids are going through, helping them through changes in their own lives. And then in bold letters, it says, instead, you feel overwhelmed with no energy left to even think of a plan. And then right now you're plagued with guilt for being a working mom. You try to squeeze in every minute. And at the end of the day, you feel like you haven't really accomplished much on top of that. You've read all sorts of parenting books, but implementing them at home is another story. And you're struggling with mm-hmm. your family, including your husband to cooperate. And then in bold, again, this leaves you frustrated and disappointed and disappointed with yourself and with everyone. And yes. I think that just sums up the, feelings of the majority of moms that I've ever talked to, you know, the guilt and the overwhelm and the frustration. And, you know, even when you've read the books and you think you've got it all together, if you can't get your spouse on board or you're exhausted to implement, you know, so do you have some strategies? Um, Obviously, you know, we only have an hour to talk (laughs) but people can (laughs) can implement to, to help make that better.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. And I think the word um, proactive, you know, comes to mind. We really have to be proactive um, with our thoughts, our habits, right, and, and the way that they're they affect our feelings. Um, the other day, I was working with a family who was feeling overwhelmed um, because she had she has had to repeat herself so many times, and um, her kids. You know, it's it's um it's a pretty complicated situation that they're in right now because the relationship has really um, gone, you know, very distant in their family. And so we've had to do a lot of work, but I told, you know, the parents like you have got to make sure that you take care of yourselves because that's where, then when we are stressed, when we are stressed out, when the stress stress is a very big barrier for parenting well with our kids, because when we are stressed out, then it comes out in the yelling and the the discipline out of anger. Um, And just feeling overwhelmed really won't help us, you know, think clearly. So the plan that I was talking about has to come on the back end and then really being proactive and saying like, okay, I have to make sure I know what stresses me out. I have to make sure I know what my breaking point is So with this particular family, um, We had to talk about breaking point because the mom just really kept hitting her breaking point, you know, with her children. And I say, and I said, that's because, you know, you're putting in so much in your family, but then you're not taking care of yourself. And then the guilt comes out. And then, you know, she said, like, I feel bad for yelling at them and I feel bad for repeating myself. And I feel, oh, and my favorite was, she said, I felt bad that um, I continued to eat my breakfast while my daughter was there. And she kept saying, you know, I want to do this and that. And I said, well, stop right there. (laughs) you needed to eat your breakfast. Why do you feel bad? And so, you know, those things are part of our thought process and our mindset that affects our parenting. And then we start to parent out of fear and hurt and anger, which is not good at all. So the strategy is to make sure that the plan is on the back end and that we are proactive with our, you know, making sure that our thoughts, we keep them in check and then having that accountability, accountability as well, hopefully with our spouse or partner um, at home or another adult at home who is able to do that check and balance with us, um, which is another, you know, something that can also be developed and built up.
0: So if let's say there's a mom and her spouse is at work, or she doesn't have a significant other in the home and okay. she realizes, okay, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm definitely hitting my breaking point. Like I'm yelling at my kids. I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall and nothing's getting done. What can she do if she's by herself and she, she's, she realizes that's where I am.
1: Yes. So, if you are um, in that situation right now and you're listening and you are by yourself, the first thing that I would do is slow down a little bit, right? Now, this is the hardest, this is the hardest actually for us women is to slow down and say, let me, (laughs) let me, let me take 10 minutes to figure out what my game plan could be. If you are, if you consider that situation as a crisis for you, where you're not, your kids are not listening, you're not connecting with them and things like that, just sit for a minute, you know, or 10, and then try and figure out what kind of help do I need and who can help me? Because. If the answer is, let's say, you know, okay, what kind of help do I need? I need my kids right now. My priority is that because I am by myself, I need my kids to pitch in. If that is the answer that you come up with, I would say then have a family meeting. Sit down with them. And where should the family meeting occur? If your house, if you feel that the energy in your home is just too intense. Take them out, maybe over lunch or a snack, and then have the family meeting in a neutral ground. And it doesn't have to be so formal. Depending on the age, you know, of your children, of course, um, use age-appropriate words and explain it to them in a way that they can understand. But um, it's okay to come out to your children and say, I need help. Right. And and I need help. And I think that, um, you know, we can do this together. Now, if if in your thought process and your reflection and you're saying, OK, what kind of help do I need? Um, if that means that you have to reach out to your community, um, to a friend, to a professional, you know, I would then do that do that and say like, okay, I can start there. You can always start um, somewhere at, at a point, you know, and if you choose to reach out to professionals, a good professional will start where you are. So if you, if you come and you say, this is my situation, then that professional should be able to coach you and say, okay, well, this is how we can move forward
0: okay okay that's that's good advice, and I like the neutral I, the neutral place I, you know, idea because sometimes your house just you know like I know when my house is a mess and everybody's stressed yeah. out, and you just walk in and you just think, "Oh, you know, I would just have yeah. like to walk back out again <laughs> so yes, if your always- house feels like that, that's what you was talking about, yeah, like yeah, don't don't talk to your kids about something serious in the middle of chaos, right?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Not just for them, but for you too. So you can think more clearly and they're able to respond in a non-defensive way.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's another good thing though, is to not put them on the defensive.
1: Yes. Because you
0: can't have a good conversation if people feel attacked. So if you go out to talk to them and you're like, you never clean up and you never help me and you never do those things. And now I'm having all these problems. Well, that's not really setting your conversation up for success. Right? Yes. So what what would be a better way to, to inform them that they need to be helping you out without making them feel like they have to defend themselves?
1: Yes. Um, I like that example that you just mentioned, right? So when we are in the middle of, you know, a, a conversation like that or a discussion like that, we have to be able to separate the behavior from, the person like we cannot attack as you said you know our children and say you never that should never that should never be the case like we can not talk to our children or anyone else for that matter um to say like well you never do this and then you always do this you know let's be more specific as to what it is that we're trying to to tell them right and you know, I, I need you to clean your room before you can do this. And so you don't attach character qualities with the behavior because that only creates more tension between you and the children. Right. And name-calling. Oh, no. Please, no name-calling. <laughs> <laughs> please, no. Yes, absolutely.
0: Because that's that's another way to alienate your kids completely or completely undermine their self-esteem, right? You don't clean up because you're lazy or.
1: Yes. And then that becomes the label that they use for themselves as well. Oh, right. I'm lazy. Oh, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not good at this. So, yeah, we have to stay away from labeling them. Because
0: they can't, you know, it's amazing what what a parent will say and then you remember it, you know, like Uh decades later and it becomes a part of who you are. Right. So, and I think like you were saying, like, take the 10 minutes. I think, you know, something that my husband and I have talked about too is that timeout is not always for kids. In our house, timeout can be for parents. Yes. You know, like, I don't like your behavior right now, so I'm going to go in my room and shut the door and then I'm going to come out and talk to you about it. You know, I love you, but... I just need 10 minutes before we can have a good conversation. And then we can have a good conversation, but right. it's okay for mom to take time out for herself.
1: definitely, As long as the
0: kids are safe. I mean, you don't want to leave a two year old climbing on the refrigerator. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but as long as they're, you know, that, and just say, I just need this time. It's okay.
1: Yes. Because and we need to. Yeah. Be cool. It's better to do that rather than stay in that tense moment and then say or do something that you'll regret, you know, later on. Right.
0: And and you had said something earlier too about not disciplining out of anger. Yes. So what does that look like, disciplining out of anger?
1: So discipline should, I mean, ultimately the goal of discipline is that so they um, learn from their mistakes, right? Or they learn and grow out. They grow from the um, situation or circumstance that is not, you know, pleasant. So if we, when we discipline out of anger, that's when, again, that's all. That's the all the blaming on the children and the you, you, you did this and you did that. You know, um, that is not something that will help them in the long run, because when we discipline we want to be able to teach them that what they did is wrong but then here is the right way this is the way that you know you will be able to solve you know your frustrations and things like that so that there won't be any more tantrums so that there won't be any more yelling and things like that so we also need to be able to set an example as we are doing the discipline and when we are angry and disciplining at the same time then they begin to associate things and say oh, okay you know when I want to correct something I need to yell and when I want to correct something I need to scream from top of my lungs and this is how it's going to get corrected
0: and then later when they do that we get really mad at them
1: right <laughs> yep. but, but, exactly. it, but you can see where that starts going Right. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So, what's a good way? Okay, you're if you're angry, and something needs to be addressed. You think something needs to be addressed right that second, but you know you're angry. What is a good game plan for that?
1: Yes. Count one to ten and breathe. <laughs> now, everything that we teach our kids also apply to us. We tell them to take deep breaths and count one to ten. If we have to do that, you know. Um, cool down first, at least if you are angry at a 10, can you bring it down to an eight? You know what I mean? So like kind of kind of gauge how upset you are and cool it down a little bit and then address you know the issue. And again, you want to correct the behavior. You want to leave their character out of that. Character building conversations need to happen separately, where we talk about how to be kind and how to be honest and the need to be compassionate to other people, right? That's a separate conversation that needs to happen as opposed to saying, like, well, I, you know, in my mind, I've repeated myself five times telling you to clean your room and you still haven't cleaned your room. How do I? then communicate that to you, you know, and being reflective too on how we approach our kids are very, is very important. That's good. And,
0: and, and asking them too, like, you know, how does this work for you? Or do you see yeah. another way? Cause I've, we did that. We had one of our children, one of our older children was really struggling and, you know, I just went and I said, you know, what, what is it that's making you struggle so much? And they yeah. said, well, "You know, you always say you love me, but you never say you like me, and I don't think you like me." Oh, and I mean, this has been like it had been like a year or two of, like of issue. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, you know, I never really would have thought to tell my child I like you, right?" Because we say, but they just wanted to know, like we liked who they were and we liked them as a person, and that's it's yes. here. And had I not asked the question never probably would have said, Hey, I like you, you know? And yeah. so then that started something we started saying to our kids, you know, I love you and I like you, you know, or I really like what you're doing today. And I really like how you do this and it, it changes their perspective a little bit. I don't know. It's it yeah. do better. Um, I love so, that. so just asking them the questions you yes. an answer yes. that you would have never come up with. with on your. Right, you know, because we do know our kids, especially when they're younger, we know them better than anybody. But we still aren't them, right? You know, and they aren't us. And I think, and that's another yeah. thing. Um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of parents get frustrated because they have children and they assume they're going to be little mini them, right? I know. And then after after like one, that stops, and they're not yeah. them. And they don't have, like you were saying, you know, they're not always going to have your values. And you think, but I've poured my whole life into raising you, right? How can you right. not have my values? And so, do you have any suggestions on how to not take that personally? Like, how do how how should a parent who? Um, especially like there's some cultures where you just, there are certain cultural norms expected, right? And right. when you, when your child deviates from that, you feel like it's not just you, but it's like generations that are, right. that are being pushed aside. And, and, and do you have a good way of, of looking at that? So parents can think, you know, like relate to their child better as their child is doing different things.
1: Right, right. I think that um, one gauge, the way that we can gauge that is, okay, so there is a difference in our values now that our kids are growing. Are they hurting anyone? Are they hurting themselves? Safety first, right? <laughs> Making sure that, you know, is it, is it a question of, you know, are they now hurting other people? Are they now hurting and putting themselves in danger? Or is it just a matter of preference? Because there's a, a a big difference, um, you know. And and what are the values in question? Are is it more an issue of say character? Are they you know, for example, are they um, compromising their integrity? Are they compromising um, their 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 honesty or their you know being compassionate and and is there now like being apathetic to to the people around them or the world around them? And if that is, because we can still have those conversations with them, and we can still make sure that, you know, um, those things are still apparent in our in our kids' lives, but we have to remember that they're not robots, just as we're not we're not robots. We also, you know, grew out of those things and we, um, how different are our values now also from, you know, from our, from our parents. And just, so just making sure that what kind of values are in question and is it affecting their character, um, then we need to have, you know, that conversation um, with them. Or is it just a matter of preference? Can we let that one go? And what are some of the things that we can let go?
0: Okay, that's really good advice. Yeah, we have one of our older kids was talking about something that was very different from the way we raised them. Um, but instead of just yelling at them, I was like, so what, you know what, how could you possibly think that? Yeah. And I probably said it like that, which isn't the best way. But, you know, <laughs> How could you ever get to that point from where you were raised? And they explained it and it made me really upset when they first explained it. Okay. But that was about a year ago. And, but I've just, but I listened without saying a judgment, even though right. I many judgments, and honestly, over this past year, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think they're right. You know, Aww. and I never would have thought that. And but the way they explained it to me, it it, I didn't want it to make sense, but it really did make sense. And so now um, I'm like, oh, man. Maybe you're the right one, you know? <laughs> and so now we've had other conversations about that same thing. So, so you know, and, and I think that's another thing is as someone with seven kids, right to and five of my yeah. kids, that I can say, um, ask the questions and then be quiet when they give the answer. I love it.
1: Yes, ma'am. Because
0: there are I, I didn't I wasn't like that in the beginning and I miss I missed out on a lot. Um, and I, I right. didn't have the greatest relationship that I could have had if I would have just right. shut up because um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of times when there's, they start talking and you're like, but that's why you're wrong. And instead yes. of that, we just
1: interrupting, silent,
0: right. And then even any, and not even for us to respond in that conversation, maybe we mm-hmm. just let them say it and let it sink in right. and maybe in a month or six months or a year, if you know if it's not something that's crucial, you know, then we can go back and talk about it when everyone's not so hot about it.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because my kids are um my kids are younger, but um I f- I feel the same you know, I felt the same way. I said, "Oh man, I missed out on some things already because I came into this well, I was um a psychotherapist long before I became a, a mom but i forgot <laughs> i forgot the importance of connecting and relationship and so i came into motherhood and i was like i have systems i have structure i know boundaries and then i just like pushed it on our um oldest our daughter and yeah we she was not happy <laughs> for a long time um it took me a while to realize that that was not you know that was not what was going to um, build our bond together. But it's, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, but once we are aware, like you said, then what are, then we need to adjust. Then we need to, you know, figure out a way to, to make it better.
0: Yeah. And to let them, let them do their thing within, you know, and I, and I think um, so parents that don't have, Any rules at all, though they don't have any, like you were saying, you know, the there's the framework, yes. Um, how important is it to have a framework versus letting them just do whatever they want all the time?
1: Very important on a scale of zero to 10, like 20. (laughs) So, we they need they need structure and boundaries, absolutely. They need rules, and they even know that they know that inherently, kids know that inherently. So But don't do it in the absence of relationships. So they have to go hand in hand. You have rules, but you also have relationships. So, you know, making sure that both of them are present in your home. Like you can't always be like, uh, you know, just focused on the relationship or focused on the rules. You can do both. You can always do both.
0: So, so earlier when you were saying, you know, like listen to them and, you know, is it something that's compromising their integrity or whatever, but you're not saying just say yes to everything to keep that relationship.
1: No, no, don't say yes to everything. What is more important than whether you say yes or no, is that making sure that you create an atmosphere where they can express themselves to you so you can guide them. We always tell our kids, you know, you can come to me about everything. So <clears throat> warning, first of all, before you say that, make sure that you really <laughs> want to say it, right?
0: Make sure you are willing to listen because you yes. will believe some of the things you will hear.
1: Right. If are they you?
0: really have that relationship with you. You there will you hear things you don't like. You will.
1: Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and, <clears throat> you know, once you say it, then you're hold you're held accountable <laughs> for that but you told me i can tell you anything then why are you now getting upset right at me for coming to you with this issue yeah. and especially
0: yeah when you have teens or they start talking you know i've got a friend that's doing this thing or you know like they come to you about sexual things yes. and if you really want them to have that relationship you have to listen without a shocked face on.
1: Right, I know.
0: And hear what they're saying and answer the questions without pointing fingers and judging them and and it's really hard the first couple of times, but if you're able to do it, that's and and sometimes in my experience, tell me, they will say a few things to shock you on purpose to think, to see if you're serious.
1: Be, yeah. You I know.
0: know? Right? Um. Oh, you. You said you'd listen to anything. Well, let me tell you this. Right. And just to see, like, oh, you see, you said you'd listen, but you won't. But if you do, then they're like, oh man. You know. Then they're the one who's shocked because they didn't think you'd really hear them. There in. you
1: go. But yeah. um, it's
0: not. That's not. Parenting isn't always pleasant. Like, mm-hmm. You know. Like I love being a mom. Like, it's my favorite thing. But it's it, it's hard. Parts of it are hard. Right. Parts of it are really hard, Um, worthwhile, worth every second, um, but hard. Right. And, and, but if you can get through the hard part and keep that relationship.
1: Yes. And it's awesome. Yes.
0: So I love your, I see, I just, I love your ideas. I love talking to you. If, if somebody, let's say somebody is at home and they're like, oh my gosh, this sounds great but I'm just so far past ah. everything being okay. Yeah. And they want to talk to you personally. Is there a way that they can talk to you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um if you are feeling that way first of all, let me just say that no you are, you know, you are not. It may be a desperate situation, but it's it is not without hope. So, you know, let's, let's try and see where you can start to rebuild and restore maybe that relationship with your children. Um, You know, you can email me or you can go to my website and we can, we can definitely talk about it. Um, You can go to joyacoso.com slash proactive mom.
0: And I'll have a link for that in the web. in In the show notes, there'll be links to all of the things she's talking about. Yes.
1: Okay. Definitely. Yes. It can be a desperate situation, but not without hope.
0: Well, that's really good to know. Okay.
1: Yes. And what kind of things do you do? So let's say if somebody doesn't live close to you, can they still talk to you? Absolutely. I do um, offer coaching online and we can customize it to you. Again, as I've said, there is no cookie cutter method to parenting because every parent is different as every child is, is different. and so we will come up with a plan that works best for you. Oh,
0: that's really good. Yeah, because like, if, you, if you read a book and it says, you know, everybody has to do this and this and this and this and this, that might not work for you. And yourself, right. You know, or your child. Because, you know, as someone who has seven children that are all completely different human beings you know, personality and looks and everything, you know? And, and so even in your own family, the same thing might not work for one child that works for the other one.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, okay. Well, that's good to know that you do it like that. Well, that's awesome. Joy, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me. She has some really amazing parenting ideas, doesn't she? If you, know of anybody who needs some help with their parenting, and let's be honest, who doesn't? I'd love it if you'd share this episode. If you like listening to us, you can also hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, every time a new episode comes out on Wednesday, you'll have it delivered right to you. Stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about high risk pregnancy with a woman who has been through it all and wrote a book about it. If you want to know more about parenting and how your kids can be safer online and with tech, I encourage you to listen to last week's episode. It was number 27 with Jamie Tucker. He's got some amazing tips about technology and kids. Thanks again for listening today. If you want to contact me or tell me what you thought about this episode, you can contact me at Jen at jenhardy.net. If you want to join a group of women who gets where you're coming from, who's going through the same kind of things as you are, you can bounce ideas off each other and know that they're always going to be positive and uplifting. Come join us over on Facebook. It's Chronically Positive Moms. And we'd love to have you over there. So thanks again for listening today. My music is A New Day by Scott Holmes, and I look forward to talking to you next week.